0: Welcome to the Love Before 100 podcast. I'm Rachel Birch, and I'm here because everyone says dating in your 40s sucks, so I decided to make a game out of it. Part scavenger hunt, part bucket list, I made a list of all the ways I could meet my person. Then I assigned every task a points value. The goal now, find love before I hit 100. Points or years, whichever comes first. Okay, today we are crossing speed dating off the list. And in preparation for that, I'm having Manny do my hair. Manny's not only the best at doing my hair, but he's also my emotional support stylist. Before both my dates with Minnesota, the guy I met on the plane, Manny did my hair. And then after it ended with Minnesota, Manny hugged me after I cried through the whole next blowout. He asked how dating is going and I fill him in on everything the podcast, the guy I interviewed on the podcast, the fireman. Apparently, Manny shares my appreciation for men in uniform. I tell him I need to look good for my speed dating event tonight. And he tells me, girl, I got you. These words sting. They remind me of meeting Minnesota and how those were the first words that he said to me on the plane. I got you. And just like that, I find myself thinking about him again. I turn back to Manny and we continue our conversation about tonight. When we're done, he spins me around to take a look. And of course, my hair looks amazing. This starts to get me excited about chatting up some strangers tonight. See, I have to pump myself up for this kind of stuff. You hit enough walls, you just want to quit. I'm the type of person who could stay home in her pajamas and not leave the house or even change for days at a time. Hypothetically speaking, of course, not that I've ever done that. (laughs) No. Uh, So yeah, thank you guys again for listening to the podcast. It continues to force me out of my comfort zone and my house. Once I'm back home, I throw on my date night playlist, some mascara and a new top. And then I log in at the appointed time. The two hostesses greet us. I hate this already. (laughs) I think they're in their early 30s. They tell us that there are people participating from all over the United States, but not to worry, you'll only be matched with people in your area. They say that we're going to have seven dates each, and then each one will last about three minutes. And then they explain, if you see them again, that means you're on a break. They start to chat about the holidays and tell some jokes. And just as it starts to feel like I'm attending comedy traffic school, my first date begins. His name is Sergio. He asked me what I do for work, and I tell him that I used to be a lawyer and that now I'm a coach. He laughs and tells me that he used to be a veterinarian and now he's a lawyer. Then our connection cuts out. The screen freezes and there's a massive delay. Right when our connection resumes, our date ends. Now I'm back with the hostesses. Okay, your second date is about to begin. I wait and then, okay, if you're seeing us right now, you're on a break. Great. I sit with them and listen to them chat about their new holiday traditions. And then after about two minutes, it takes me to Alex. Alex is an engineer with salt and pepper hair. He seems very serious. We chat for about 10 seconds and then the 30 second countdown begins. Our date's already ending. Alex tries to cram a question in and I start to reply. And then back to the hostesses. I think I'm on a break again. They say, you should be on your fifth date right now. What? is happening. After the next countdown, I'm on a date with Jose. Jose is also very serious. I have no idea what he does, but he just got back from a gun show in Utah. He tells me all about flying with guns and mailing ammunition. I'm half listening and half looking around Jose's bedroom. Jose has a handsome face and he's sitting in his bed. Our date ends and I don't think I told him one thing about me. My date with Jose was the best one yet. And this is based just on the fact that we maintained a connection, an internet connection, the whole time. And we ended up in his bed. The last date is with Mike. Mike lives in South San Diego, like almost to the border of Mexico. This is far from me. He tells me that he's actually crossed the border into Mexico for some dates and that many people might be afraid to do that, but he's not. I make a joke about luring him into a foreign land and offering to sell his kidneys on the black market. He tells me he drinks too much for that. Hello, red flag. And I tell him, I think that just affects the street value of your liver. As the countdown begins, I tell him that I'm sorry we only got to discuss one of his organs. We laugh and the date ends. And I feel like the highlight of this whole experience was getting to make an organ joke to a guy I never intend to see again. I close my laptop and I say out loud, I can't believe I did my hair for that. Epic disappointment. I decide, That's enough disappointment for one day, and I abandon all thoughts of dating and men until another day. (coughs) Turns out, another day is the next day. I'm down, but not out. This is a marathon, not a sprint, I remind myself. So I turn to my dating app. I have some new matches. First up, a handsome paramedic, who I actually matched earlier this year. The last time, though, our chat ran cold, and I unmatched him. We are reunited and it feels so good. I had made a promise or more like a suggestion to myself that I wouldn't double dip, meaning I wouldn't swipe right on anyone from the past. But I made an exception for him because he's super cute, pretty funny, and also, hello, he's a paramedic. The rescue protector vibe is hot for me. I'm working on seeing the whole package, not just snippets, but this guy seems to qualify. I'm happy that he wanted to match again, and I'm feeling flirty, and so I start to type something out to him like, stop me if I've told you this one before, as a wink to the fact that we've matched before, but I stop and delete it. Here's why. I matched a chef earlier this year. He's also someone that I had matched before. He had brown hair that swept across his eyes, not long, but kind of shaggy, big brown eyes, scruffy facial hair. He used the same photos from before, and so, of course, I recognized him. We had had a really good chat back in the day, but at some point, I deleted the app. After we matched again, I mentioned something about having matched before, and he was surprised. He didn't remember me. So I made a mental note. Don't be a weirdo who remembers all the people you match. That's stalker vibes. So I start the chat with the paramedic and don't mention our previous match. He tells me how stressful it's been at work this week and how it's only going to get worse. This week is Thanksgiving, so I can only imagine how much work it must be for this heroic paramedic. I'm empathetic, so I say, I assume you're talking about paramedic work. I would imagine it's a really hard time of year for that. He replies, I'm not a paramedic. Bro, your profile says you're a paramedic. Instead, he tells me that he used to be a paramedic many years ago, but now he works nights at a mental health clinic. I look at his pictures again. He's not as cute as he was when I thought he was a paramedic. Good God, Rachel, that is not right. I continue chatting with him because looks and heroism isn't everything after all, but pretty quickly it becomes apparent that we are not a match. This man complains a lot and is generally just really unhappy. He tells me, a complete stranger, that he's cried twice this week. I keep talking with him because I feel so sad for him, but every time a message comes through from him, and it's often, I cringe. I tell myself without judgment, but as a loving, I told you so. This is the last time we do this. This is the last time we go backwards. So right now, we're setting some ground rules. Rule number one, no double dipping, no exceptions. There's a reason that didn't work. And rather than wasting energy starting again, let's just start fresh. Rule number two, you must evaluate the whole profile and cannot give preference to first responders, men with cowboy hats or tattoos, men with vintage Broncos or men from states in the South. Rule number three, in the future, you can't continue chatting with someone just because you feel sorry for them. So I left him to simmer while I chatted with my other matches. Next up, a producer whose profile emphasizes how spiritual he is. He says he was raised by the universes with a lust for magical experiences. I note the plural of universe. Okay, fine, spiritual beliefs may vary. I also note the use of the word lust. I ignore both. I ask him about what he means, and he responds with a voice text talking about how grateful he is for his life and his work and how magic happens when you're around people with an equal vibration. I completely agree with this. And no, I don't think it's weird that he's talking like this. It's completely normal, right? He says that he's the most spontaneous person in the world, and he's up for anything. I reply that I'm free for a quick adventure that day, thinking coffee or a beach walk. He doesn't respond to this, but rather... That night, he asked for my phone number. The next night, this is the night before Thanksgiving, he asked me if I want to do something. I say, I'm getting the impression you only like being spontaneous at night. He responds by telling me that he just sugar scrubbed his lips and that his lips are now super soft. And then he gives me a video tour of his loft. First, he shows me the city view, and then he shows me his bed, and then he angles the camera so that I could see the view should I be laying in his bed. Then he replies and says, oh, I'm so in touch with my sexuality and self-love. Oh my God, this man has my phone number. Now it's my fake Google phone number, but I don't even want him having that. Next up, a lawyer whose profile reads, shopping cart returner, please and thank you sayer, gym membership user, restaurant reservation maker, flight and hotel booker, gratitude practitioner. I pause when I see the close-up of him lying with his shirt off, but he mentions being a warm weather enjoyer, so I let it slide. He's okay. Not super handsome, but not bad. We start a nice chat about life, and there could be some potential there. After the last two, I'm cautiously optimistic. Also in the mix is a 39-year-old. The conversation we have going consists only of me asking him how he feels about doing dishes This is based on something I saw in his profile. And he says he can handle dishes. I laugh and reply, at least we have that handled. There are a bunch of dead conversations, meaning we had some back and forth, but it's been days and in some cases weeks since I've heard from any of them. And then finally, there's a former professional soccer player who lives in San Diego. Our chat is respectful and revolves mostly around soccer. He asked for my phone number, Calls me, we chat and set up a date to have lunch in San Clemente. He seems the most promising. He tells me on the call that he hasn't dated much and enjoys being in a relationship. I don't hear any red flags, but if I'm being honest, seeing red flags is not my strong suit. Or rather, listening to them after I see them and not ignoring them has not been my strong suit, but I'm working on this. I've gotten my feet wet, I've practiced, and I'm ready to be serious. I decide I'm not really particularly excited about any of these matches and I can probably juggle a few more. So I head to the part of the app where you swipe for new matches. The options tonight are incredibly disappointing. A lot of married men in open relationships, or at least that's what they claim. That is definitely not what I'm looking for. Also, a bunch of men that just don't appeal to me for various reasons. And then, I see a familiar face. It's the guy I interviewed on the podcast, the one who just disappeared. He's back on the app with a brand new profile and he looks really good, actually. I like his new pictures. I feel sad. He's obviously still interested in finding someone. I knew this, but seeing him here, it just stings. It's been two months, so I don't expect to hear from him. It's weird, though. I never expect to hear from them. Any of them. I've listened to a number of manifestation coaches who say that guys always come back. They use the word always. In my reality, they never come back. Like Minnesota. He's blocked on Instagram, yeah, but he has my phone number. He's never texted, not once. This guy also has my number. It's never been my experience that men come back for me. I've actually spent some time looking at this and my beliefs around it. Growing up, I had a bunch of nannies. Just off the top of my head, I can think of eight by name. I'm sure there are more that I'm not recalling. They would come into my life, play an important role as caregiver, and then leave and never look back. None of them. I never heard from any of them again. There were many that weren't nice and one that was downright mean, but even the ones I really liked. The nicest one, her name was Patricia. I always wondered what happened to her. Did she think of us? When I hired our nanny, Gina, to care for my older son, who's now 13, I told her that I wasn't looking to hire a nanny, but to gain a family member. I still remember sitting at the Starbucks telling this complete stranger, if I give you this job, I expect you to become family. I expect that you'll still be around after the job ends to come to my then four year old's wedding. I don't know how this didn't scare her away. Hello, stage five clinger. We bonded over the fact that she had lost her sister to cancer and I had lost my brother. When my ex-husband and I were still married and he wasn't working, I told her that I needed to cut back to once per month instead of once a week. And she said she would still come and not charge us. She was literally like family. That was the moment I decided, if I ever win the lottery or when I become Oprah, she gets the car, she gets the house. My parents, my sisters, they have what they need. I know my sister's listening. Yes, you'll get something too. But Gina's getting hers first because there's nothing more painful to me Than the thought of someone not caring enough to look back. And nine years later, Gina's still with us. In fact, as I'm writing this, she's throwing the football around with my six year old. I've had to do a lot of work around this, and I still have more to do. But in my reality, once they leave, people never come back. This isn't just men, I've had this with female friends too. And so I look back down at this man, I swipe left, and I close the app. I'm feeling depressed now. (laughs) Will I ever find my person? Will I ever find someone who sticks? I start to feel sorry for myself. Cue the pity party. I don't say that with judgment. Pity parties are essential for me. If you don't throw one for yourself, no one will. Just do it in the privacy of your own home, no guests allowed. No one wants to attend your pity party. Okay, pity party adjourned. I take out my angel card deck, My angel cards are one of the many ways I get direction from the universe. Universe. Singular. I pull a card. Its message urges me to continue to play a bigger game. Damn it. Okay. I decide to change my approach. I pull out my phone and open Instagram. I post a cry for help in my Instagram stories. I ask if any of my friends have someone great they could set me up with for a blind date. But I don't go all in. I blame the podcast. I say, you know, for the podcast. And even though it is in part for the podcast, mostly it's for me. I'm ready now. Doesn't anyone know anyone? One person, my friend Diana, replies, oh my God, I know someone. She says he's a screenwriter who lives in LA. Ugh, I'm not interested. She says he's from Kentucky. Okay, I'm listening. She messages him and he's curious. He's open to it and asks for my availability. I see his photo and he's pretty cute. I also see his exchange with Diana and he seems clever. I feel excited about this prospect. Okay, time for bed. Now it's Thanksgiving day and people are getting chatty on the dating app. My family doesn't celebrate until the evening, so I'm messaging with a couple guys during the day. The producer has invited me to go to the mall and hit some Black Friday sales tomorrow. Under normal circumstances, I would have found this endearing but after the stuff last night, I'm not interested. The lawyer and the paramedic both wish me happy Thanksgiving, as does the fireman, who we haven't heard from in a while, and crickets from the soccer player and the 39-year-old. I don't even know what he does. He's just the 39-year-old. Fast forward, it's later that night, probably like 9 p.m., and I'm home from dinner and sitting on my couch, contemplating a bath. All of a sudden, my dating app notifications start popping. First, the 39 year old. He asks in response to my last message about dishes, skipping over Thanksgiving altogether, and how do you feel about makeout sessions? I roll my eyes and reply, LOL, does anyone feel negatively about them? He replies, I don't know. Should we find out? Ugh, this guy is down for the count. Next, here comes the lawyer. Having already wished me happy Thanksgiving, he's back with, Hope your night is going well. We exchange some pleasantries about how pleasant our family dinners were. And then we both say that we are now relaxing. I say, relaxing is good. I'm debating a bath, but honestly, even that sounds like too much effort right now. He agrees and says, a bath does sound very relaxing though. And then he adds, wait for it. Plus, I'm almost in my bath attire. LOL. Okay, so now he's referenced being naked. I try to change the subject, but he keeps coming back to his bath attire. He offers to get into his bath attire, so we'll match. Then he informs me that he's only wearing boxer briefs, so it's an easy transition. I try and change the subject again, and then he says it's up to me whether he stays in his boxers or gets into his bath attire. (sighs) This guy is dead to me too now. I decide to head to bed, but with my dating app inbox still full of perverts, it feels yucky. And then something comes over me. I open the app, unmatch the lawyer, and then the 39-year-old. I pause, look at the former paramedic, Brown, and unmatch him too. I feel bad, but again, that's not a reason to keep chatting with someone. The producer has left. My only hesitation is that he has my fake phone number. But then I realize I can block him there too. So I block him on my Google phone and then unmatch him. Mama's cleaning house. I know I should feel happy about this, but I start to feel discouraged. Is everyone on the dating app just looking to hook up? Will I ever find someone who actually wants to have a real conversation and get to know me? The next day, I feel inspired to update my profile with my new photos from my Nashville photo shoot. And then I spend the next two days swiping to replace those I had let go. Then on Sunday, I flick open the dating app to marvel at all my new higher quality matches that have just come in to replace all the weirdos that I let go. I think my new photos are working because I'm noticing that these guys are cuter, smarter, and more abundant. This pleases me. They say, take a step and the universe will meet you. I lay back on my couch and thank the universe for joining me on my quest. Ooh, look at this guy I just matched. He's handsome, ruggedly handsome, in fact. He has a graduate degree, is a dad, and has some great photos of him on the beach smiling. His profile reads, The smallest act of kindness can go so far. What a nice man, I think. I wait an appropriate amount of time and then I message him. Happy Sunday. How was your Thanksgiving? Minutes later, I noticed he's unmatched me. What kind of act of kindness was that? No, it was an act of kindness. Thank you for showing me now before I waste any more time that we are not a match. As I'm looking at the other matches, the soccer player texts me. He wants to know if we can meet at 1.45 instead of 1 for our date. He says he has a meeting and wants to ensure that he doesn't leave me waiting. How considerate. Then he asks if he can call. Okay, sure, I say. We proceed to talk for almost an hour, during which time he lays out his top five non-negotiables. Number one, no smoking. Number two, must be confident, which he defines as me not getting jealous if he looks at another woman. And then he gives an example of seeing a woman on a topless beach and asks, who wouldn't look? Number three, must enjoy physical touch. I don't remember number four because I was out at number two. And number five is, is into or at least can tolerate watching sports on the couch with him. He then lists out his various medications that he's taking for his restless leg syndrome. He asks if I have any time limits for our date and proceeds to set out a multi-hour, multi-location date, starting with a nice lunch, then a walk on the pier, and then possibly a cocktail at the restaurant on the pier. And yes, this is the same pier where I first met the fireman and also where I met the guy with the emotional support chihuahua. At this point, he tells me that he needs to pee and asks if he should mute the call or not. I tell him I'm okay with him muting the call. Meanwhile, I start to think, do I cancel or just have really good boundaries with my time? I honestly don't know how much grace to give people anymore. As I'm listening to him talk about the issues in his previous relationship, hello, we haven't even gone on a single date yet. I get a message from Diana. She says that it's been days and she hasn't heard back from the screenwriter. She says she's pulling the plug. She says he doesn't pass the vibe check. Damn it. Two guys down the toilet in a matter of minutes. Back to the drawing board. Square one. Nada. Zip. No one in the queue. I head up to bed and I grab my card deck from my nightstand. I pull the King of Roses. This is a card that I had pulled multiple times when I was originally chatting with Minnesota. The card's message was around romance, passion, and love. It made me sad to see it. And this time, it was reversed, meaning it had a different message for me. I grab the book and I read it. It says, with every ending comes the potential for new beginnings. This may in fact be in reference to an old relationship you haven't been able to release. If so, it's time to finally let go of the attachment and open your life to new and better things to come. Yeah, yeah, release and new and better things will come. Whatever. I go to sleep. Hours later, I wake up. It's 3 a.m. I grab my phone. Even though I had deleted him as a contact and even though I hadn't heard from him since I blocked him on Instagram, I pull up the last text message from Minnesota. It's not even a text. It's a so-and-so laughed at your message. I open up his number and I block him. Not because he's going to message. Because he's not. And there's still a part of me that wants him to. And that's painful. There's still a part of me that wants to hear from him and feels sad that I don't. Sometimes I play this game with myself. What if he texted? What if he asked to come visit? What would you say? I always answer honestly. I don't know. So. By blocking him, I don't have to know because he can't reach me. Doesn't matter anyway, though, because in my world, people don't come back. But I've learned that sometimes that's okay. (sighs) Okay, universe, is that what you want? Is that what I have to do to move on? I lay there and I think, where am I supposed to empty the drawer? Okay, I'm going to tell you this, but don't expect this to get tied up with a nice bow because I'm not there yet. But there's a drawer at the bottom of my closet. Inside it is the blanket from the Giants game and the Eric Church t-shirt and a Morgan Wallen hat that Minnesota bought for me. The hat that he went to five different souvenir vendors to find for me because I wanted it and they were sold out and he was determined to get it for me. And there's also one of those damn pull tabs and the ticket stubbed Top Gun. I still have it all. I don't look at it. I don't take it out but I'm not willing to release that yet. And fuck it, if throwing that stuff away is going to bring in some magical guy. The imprint of the way that I felt about him is burned in my mind and it makes connecting with new people so much harder. It's like an invisible measuring stick. Can you live up to the chemistry and excitement I felt? There've only been a couple guys who have even felt like they might come close. Just the beginning flickers of possibility but those burned out before I even got close enough to experience them. My whole conscious mind understands what this is and that he is not for me. And yet there's some rogue part of me that's just sad it didn't work out and misses him. And it fucking sucks. I fall back asleep. The next morning, I'm mindlessly swiping on the dating app. I'm looking for one last Hail Mary because I'm so ready to give up right now. Just crawl in bed and stay there. I swipe left on a couple guys. Again, Left means no thank you. And then I see him. Josh. Oh my God, it's Josh. I melt a little. We had matched a couple months ago. And at the time, I referred to him as Minnesota 2.0. Because he looked a little bit like Minnesota. And he felt a little bit like Minnesota. But this guy seemed like a better version. He was more handsome, wittier, equally playful, and just a little bit vulnerable, honest. The conversation got really flirty, and of course, I made some cheeky comments. He pushed me, and I had to clarify that I wasn't looking for casual sex. Things may have changed, but anyway, I wasn't looking for casual sex. He got serious, too, and told me that he likes to play, but he wants something real. He wants a real relationship, but he understands it's a process. He had disappeared for a day or two and came back super apologetic and replied, Hey, Rachel, I'm not ghosting. And then added, I promise. And then he asked about potentially getting together. He had that playmate energy and was pretty engaged. And then one day I looked and he had deleted his profile. So we lost the connection. He hadn't taken the time to get my number before deleting it. So obviously it wasn't too much of a connection for him, but maybe this time it could be different. I sat looking at his photo, drinking my morning coffee coincidentally from my morning, Darling mug, but was it a coincidence? Maybe it was a sign. Maybe I had released Minnesota for Minnesota 2.0. I recalled my promise to myself to only go forward and not look backwards. Rachel, that's your new rule number one. But, but, but I mean, the timing can't be a coincidence. I haven't seen him in all this time and now he's back and in my city. He lives in San Diego, which is like 70 miles away. But this time, he's only three miles away. I look back down at Josh. He's so adorable. The dimples, the blue eyes, the thick blonde hair, not a cowboy hat or tattoo in sight. He's not a first responder, although he may have military background. And I do think he might have been from the South. But his new about me says he's looking to slow down and enjoy life and fatherhood more. And he even has a photo with his daughter. Maybe he's ready for me now. I know that when you create space, the right people can come in. What if he's the right people? What if I just see what happens? What if I swipe right and then we just go from there? I can always unmatch him. I can decide at any point to pull the plug. I should give this guy a chance, right? Maybe he won't even match me again. I'll never know if I don't give him a chance. And I do have new photos. I cut myself off. Rachel, just do it. I place my finger on his photo, ready to swipe. I swipe left. I frown and close the app. Sorry, Josh, no second chances today. I'm keeping my promises to me today. The universe will deliver and I don't have to settle for leftover scraps, ignore red flags, or break promises to myself anymore. I feel grateful and disappointed at the same time. I'm really happy that I'm finally able to keep my commitments to myself, but also, I feel like this might make me end up alone. Maybe I should delete the dating app. I literally feel like I'm starting from square one and I just don't know if I can do it anymore. A single tear runs down my cheek. I wipe it away. I just don't see it happening for me. Why is it so hard? How many times do I have to go through this? Maybe I'm just supposed to be alone. But then why put this desire on my heart, God? Tears are streaming down my face at this point. I quit. I give up. I look up and think, God, take this desire off my heart. It's too painful. Maybe I was right about Newport. Maybe there's no one here for me. Maybe there's no one anywhere for me. Where would this guy even come from? I remember a story I heard once about a spiritual guru who wanted to build a large temple. To do so, they needed a large sum of money. One of his followers asked the guru, but where will the money come from? And he simply replied, from wherever it is now. So I guess my guy will come from wherever he is now. Where are you? Hello? And then, almost on cue, almost as if the universe was listening and waiting. I get this text. Good morning, Rachel. You still interested in getting together or at least chatting on the phone? Oh yeah. I had forgotten about that guy. I hope you loved that episode of Love Before 100. To play along and get all the behind the scenes and bonus content, follow us on TikTok at lovebefore100. And be sure to come back next week to help me cross another thing off my bucket list.